One thing is certain. If you stick to the word, you will come back with a testimony. What God wants to give you in your life is not a healing. What God wants to give you in your life is not a job. What God wants to give you in your life is not money. What God wants to give you is the word of God in your spirit. It'll make you what it talks about. And you are shining. And you are shining by the power of the Holy Ghost. You are shining by the power of the Holy Ghost. You are shining and nothing can stop you. It is your season. It is your time. Nothing can hinder you. This is your time. This is your hour. Favor is yours. There are things that only the Holy Spirit can teach you. So, to, so he can separate you from others. There are certain things you see and you should act like you never saw them. Because the Bible says the foolishness of God is wiser than men. You don't know where that power is. That's working in that man. That thing you may be laughing at. Maybe where the glory is. But because you don't know, you can make fun of it. Well, that's by the way, just wanted to let you know, the Holy Spirit can teach you things like this. And, and the Holy Spirit had to prove David if he could handle the anointing of God's Spirit. In a way that Saul himself never knew. You still there? Whew. We are in verse 11. Then David took hold on his clothes and rent them. He tore them. And likewise, all the men that were with him, they had learned something now. They, they couldn't rejoice that Saul was dead. They had to act like David. They acted like David. They thought like David now. They had been trained. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel because they were fallen by the sword. Oh, oh, oh. What thinking? Oh! Oh! I wonder what comes to our minds when we hear of some other believers and something happened to them. I wonder how we react. Is there something to learn from this great man of God? And David said unto the young man that told him, can you imagine, until evening time, he fasted. That man was confused, the young guy who brought the news. And you know, he lied to David. He lied because the way Saul died was not the way he reported it. He was not the one that killed Saul. 
right. He wanted some, he wanted to be paid. So he hurried and brought the news, expecting some reward. And he brought the crown too. David said unto the young man, verse 13, the man that told him, Whence art thou? And he answered, I am the son of a stranger and a Malachite. And David said unto him, How was thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? He asked him, How were you? You know, till evening time, the whole day, David was thinking, Saul is dead. Jonathan dead. He wept. Finally, in the evening, he called the young man. He said, come here. Where are you from? You see the question, because he had asked him before. And the man had mentioned about three times here that he was an Amalekite. So this was not what David was concerned about. He was like, where did you come from? What kind of mentality do you have? Where are you from? The man said, I am the son of an Amalekite. And that was not the question. He said, how come that you were not afraid to stretch forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? How come you were not afraid? How? Oh. And David called one of the young men and said, go near and fall upon him. And they killed him. And David said unto him, thy blood be upon thy head. For thy mouth hath testified against thee, saying, I have stained the Lord's anointed. Now, I've acted like I was there, right? Yeah. Because I've journeyed in there. Ah, verse 17. And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan and his son. Also, he bade them teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jesha. Verse 19. The beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in God's. Publish it not in the streets of Ascalon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. When something happens to a minister of God, the first people to publish it around the world are other Christians. They are like this Amalekite. Where are they from? What in the world have they learned? What in the world have they been taught? He said, tell it not in Gats. Gats where Goliath came from. Don't let them hear that Saul is dead. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon. He said, let the daughters of the Philistines rejoice when they hear that Saul is dead like this. He wept. Oh. What did he call him in that verse 9? In the beauty of Israel is slain. He called him the beauty of Israel because there's where the anointing was. He said, the beauty of Israel is slain upon the high places. How are the mighty fallen? Oh. Verse 21. Ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, 
Neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away. The shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. Ye daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet, with delights, who put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? O Jonathan, thou wast slain in thine high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perished? You know, there's lots of scriptures about Jonathan and, and David. And I appreciate if you, if you can read them for yourself on one occasion. For the Bible says, Jonathan loved David as his own soul. It's amazing. Amazing. He says he loved David as his own soul. Several times the Bible reports that. How can you love somebody as your own soul? David said his love surpassed the, the love of women. This was not the love of women. This was someone who loved David genuinely. The Bible says he strengthened David's heart in God. Jonathan did. He said one time to David, he said, you will become king and I'll be next to you. That made his father Saul mad. He called him one day. He said, Jonathan, you are still running around with that rascal? Don't you know that as long as the son of Jesse lives, you will not be king? And the young man said, but I don't care. He'll become king. Ah! Saul took the javelin and threw it at the boy he wanted to become king. He almost killed Jonathan for his love for David. No, I want to show you what human love is like. Human love is selfish. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to fight for Jonathan. He was trying to fight for himself. So his son, not because Jonathan was Jonathan, but because it was his son, so that his name would become a big name. Because now Jonathan says, I don't really care about it. Let David become king. God wants him to be king. What? And now he wants to kill the very guy he wanted to become king. He attacked him with a javelin. To kill him. He narrowly missed him. And listen, the speed of that javelin wouldn't have spared Jonathan, I guarantee you that. Because, you see, this guy Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else in Israel. He was the biggest guy physically. He had the human strength. The Bible says he was swifter than eagles. That guy was strong. He was a man of war. So when he threw that javelin, the Bible says it went into the wall. 
That's for the guy who wanted to make king. What a gift. Are you still there? <laughs> I said, how intense is your love? How intense is your love? You want to be filled with the fullness of God? Then, the intensity of your love must become like His. That great love with which He loved us even when we were dead in sins. The great love with which He loved us even when we were dead in sins. Oh, thanks be unto God. Hallelujah. And what's the next one? Height. Is that right? How high? He's talking about the uh, loftiness of the character of your love. How lofty in character is that love? How excellent is it? Does it exceed human weakness? Does it overlook human failures? Does it function at God's high levels of excellence? What kind of love do you have? How high is your love? How high is it? How high is your love? How high is your love? Is it so high that bitterness of others can drown it? How high is your love? Can it accept others who don't accept you? Can it speak well of others who speak evil of you? How high is your love? How excellent is your love? That's what he's talking about. Sometimes we love those who love us and hate those who hate us. Why did you do this? Well, what about what he did to me? What about what he did to me? Am I the only one? Okay, why don't you forgive? Oh, you let him also forgive. Am I the only one that should be forgiven? He too should forgive. You, do you want to be filled with all the fullness of God? Then you must be different. Let others think like that, not you. Are you still there? Let others think like that. Stay at the high level of love that thinks differently, that talks differently. And you'll be amazed at the workings of God in your life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Love is magnetic. I, I can explain that to you. Love pulls others to you because everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be loved. Because everybody thinks he's lovely. But you know, you, you wonder, what about those who commit suicide because um, they hate their lives? No. No, the Bible says no man ever yet hated himself. When you see someone who kills himself because he says, oh, I hate my life. Oh, if you hate your life, continue the suffering then. Why do you kill yourself for hating yourself? 
No, if you really hate yourself, continue the suffering and say, as I'm suffering, I love, I suffer so much, I love it. No, but he goes to kill himself because he loves himself so much and doesn't want to continue the suffering. So he takes his own life. He hates to see himself suffer because he loves himself. See that? No man ever yet hated himself. Hallelujah. How high is your love? What's the character of your love? What is it like? Can you look at others and see them with the eyes with which God sees us? Can you be so full of compassion as Jesus was? The Bible says he was full of compassion. You know, if you ever get to know the love of God, you'll be amazed at the kind of person you will become. That's true. Very true. Let me show you something in Psalm 32. That's is Psalm 32. Hallelujah. I am glad.
Hallelujah. He says here in verse 7, Psalm 32, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with my eye. Oh, hallelujah. Look at this. It shows us how God cares. How close he really wants to be with us. How close. If we could comprehend the love. Let me show you another thing. Turn to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. Now, when you read the whole um, chapter 8 of the book of Proverbs, you'll understand he's talking about um, uh, wisdom. Wisdom says, before God created anything, I was with him. All right? Wisdom. Wisdom is the word of God. Okay? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. What was God? All right? So, that whole chapter 8 really gives us a good picture of wisdom, the word. All right? And um, you know the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay. But here, from verse, from verse 28, so you can get it in context. When he established the, cr- the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Now, this is nice. He says, I was so close to him. I was always with him. The word says that. The wisdom of God says that. Then, strikingly, he goes on. Verse 31. Rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth. And my delights were with the sons of men. Uh Uh-oh. The Word of God. The Word of God tells us how he was always with God. Always in fellowship with God. Never separated from God. Loved to be there. And he was God's delight. The Father's delight. Then he says, I rejoice in his habitable earth. That tells you there are inhabitable parts of the earth. I don't know what some people are doing there. (laughs) Every now and then they tell us there's tornado, there's earthquake, there's this and there's that. And they're still there. I always say to myself, what are they doing there? (laughs) Don't they understand the Bible says there's habitable earth? But you know, you know, human beings, they like to conquer everything. And that's nice. So, so. (laughs) Wisdom says, I... My rejoicing, I rejoiced in the habitable earth, in his habitable earth. And my delights were with the sons of men. Oh, what he was always happy about. His pleasures, 
His excitements. All of that he enjoyed when he was with men, with human beings. How he loves us. That's not what religion tells us. Religion gives us the impression, God, God, God's tired of us. God's just waiting for judgment day when he can fix everything. <laughs> That's what many people think. But he loves to be with us. That's what we just read. My delights are with the sons of men. That's my joy, to be with them. I like it over here. That's what he's saying. He says, I've always been in heaven. I've always been with God. I've been everywhere with him. He says, but I like it over here with human beings. That's what's there. I like it with them. I like it over here. In his habitable earth with human beings. How he loves us. What a picture of love. What a picture of love. Hallelujah. You know, when you study about the character of love, the excellence of love, you can, you can read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Most of you know it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When you're reading from uh, verse 4 all the way to verse 8, some of you have memorized that portion of the Bible. But I think it's better when you act them. Right? Better when you act them. And one of the things you can do for yourself is make a study and in trying to have all those words in that portion of the Bible defined for yourself. Just to be sure, I'm not just assuming that you know where I'm talking about. Can you go there now? First Corinthians chapter 13. And I want to read from verse 1. I told you the emphasis will be from verse 4 to verse 8. But let's get the right context. From verse 1, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, which uh, has been wrongly translated, uh, charity here in the King James Version is agape, it means love. I am become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not love. He says it's empty. He didn't say you wouldn't speak in tongues. He says you can speak both in tongues of men and tongues of angels. But without love, he says, empty, useless. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, love, it profited me nothing. Love suffereth long. That doesn't mean love suffers for a long time. 
So it's always better to read this portion in the Amplified Version. So I want to read it to you from the Amplified Version. Somebody says, I'm full of love because I've been suffering for a very long time. (laughs) Where are he's talking about endurance. He says, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious. Nor boils over with jealousy. Some people boil over with jealousy. They just can't stand some other fellow. They can't stand the success of somebody else. If you say something nice has happened, they say, really? Tell me about it. And you say, so and so and so and so did it. Um, really? (laughs) Really? Did he? It changed the excitement. Just because he was the one that did it. Ah. Is that why you are happy? Oh yeah, so and so said this and it was wonderful. But I said it the other day and nobody was happy. (laughs) No! Let your love, I said, how high? What is the height of your love? How lofty in character is it? How excellent is it? How is it? Can you rejoice about everybody? Oh boy, I, I told you, I have not met somebody that I didn't like. I've never met someone I didn't like. It was not automatic. I trained myself with the word of God for that. I made up my mind years ago. There'll be nobody that I don't like. Yeah. Because I found out he paid the same price for everybody. Everybody. No one was more expensive than the other. We were paid for with the same blood of Jesus Christ. And the manifestation of God through your life is that value that you give to everyone else are you still here praise god this is love endures long and is patient and kind love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy it's not boastful or vainglorious does not display itself heartily it is not conceited arrogant and inflated with pride it is not rude you know some people are rude rude He says, love is not rude. Hallelujah. Oh, I like this. He says, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on his own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not self-seeking. It is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful. Why do we have so many problems between between husbands and wives? Because they're self-seeking. Each person wants his own way. It's her. How can you be happy? How can you be fulfilled when you want your own way? You know, somebody said years ago that men and women coming to marriage with chisel and hammer. <laughs> They're planning, well, when I get married to her, I'll chisel her into shape. And what he doesn't know is she's coming with her own chisel and hammer. <laughs> to make you the man she wants you to be. Why you are thinking you're going to make her the woman of your dream? It's not going to work. 
No, it's not going to work. I have many things to tell you. <laughs> you still there? Yeah. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not self-seeking. And it is not touchy. Touchy. Every little thing. Yeah, yeah. Every little thing. You're offended. You're offended about everything. Why are you so offended? You don't want me to go in that direction, are you? you Pastor, just, just preach on other things. That you're t- I know that's what you're thinking now. You don't want me to just take off on that. I'll spare you for this moment. Yeah, because you know people, you, you can rejoice in Christ. And when you hear everything, but then you come home and all the frowns return. You were happy in church until you got home. Why? Because you know you've come to the enemy of your soul now. Here is the devil now. Two people who were in love. It's amazing. Now, they don't like each other. No, I do. I just don't like the way he acts. Yeah, I do. I just don't like what she says. Continue. <laughs> you know, I was told one time, uh, a young couple, uh, uh, I was told uh, 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 the, the, the guy and his wife were fighting. Somebody said, Pastor, you got to do something. These two have been fighting. They're fighting each other. They might just destroy themselves. I said, let them fight it out. They told us the other day, I do, I do. Let them fight it out. Is that Christianity? It's not. It's not. No matter what you think about it, somebody said, well, if two people who are married, after some time, they're no longer satisfied with each other, and they say that this one wants to go his own way, everybody can go his own way. (laughs) You see, you don't even understand Christianity. You don't understand it. It just means you don't understand it. It takes two people who are married to stay together. It takes one to destroy it. That's all. It takes one to destroy it. The choice... You, you cannot understand spiritual, spiritual authority... Until you are under the authority of the word. Until Christians understand that when you say that you are getting married to somebody, there is no outing option. What if he doesn't treat me right? It doesn't matter. What if he's going to kill me? He can't. The 
there's no, there's no outing option. How, why is that difficult to understand? You know, you can become uncomfortable. You're so uncomfortable. I'm, I'm not happy. I'm, I'm no longer happy in this house. I'm, I'm happy everywhere else except... I can't even pray here. I can't... I can't. Oh! Ah. Then Holy Spirit... Uh, my patience is being tested. Oh. oh! I can't continue. Then you go to Pastor. Pastor, Mr. Pastor, I, I know what I've gone through. I can't continue. I can't go there. You, that means you don't understand what you entered. There is no outing option. There, there is no room for the discussion. Do you understand? Do you understand? No, I have a question. Why should two Christians who are married have problems about staying together, irrespective of what's happening? Why? Because, listen, we have, we're pastors here, right? Now, we have some members of the church come to us and say, uh, Pastor, my husband beats me, beats me, beats me, silly. He says, I must not go to church. But I always have to sneak and come to church, you know. But when he finds out, it's hell at home. And then we, pastors, we say, don't worry, just continue to pray for him. <laughs> One day a miracle will happen. Don't worry, just continue. Two weeks time, she comes again. Pastor, look at marks on my body. He beat me last night and beat me. Beat me, look at, look at. Ah! Oh, don't worry. <laughs> so we pray, pray, pray in tongues and pray. And say, don't worry. The Lord will see you through. <laughs> it's either we lied about the Lord or it's true. Now, if it's true that the comfort we shared or extended to them was real, why is it that when it comes to ministers, I can't just imagine what she was saying. And this, uh, I can't just imagine what he was telling me. I can't, I can't take it. I can't, nobody can take it. And nobody can tell you to take it. Why don't we act like Paul? Who says, we comforted others with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted of God. The same words. We can tell a sister to remain in a marriage. Who's married to a wicked, terrible fellow. And then all this one has to say to us is one thing. And we are mad. Why do Christians have no patience with themselves? The patience that we preach to them to have with other people. Does God command patience more 
for others than for his kids. He says, do good unto all men, especially to them of the household of faith. Be smart. Are you still there? I know, even if you went on suspension during that last part of it. I'll drag you back. You still here? Okay, okay, okay. So, if you've, you know, you, you coming for this conference is nice. You're like uh, uh, St. Peter and St. Paul together, you know. Come back to church. Once you go back home, everyone... you're wild now. One puts on the TV on this station, they don't say, what about the other station? Why can't we watch another station? I think the two of you should buy double remote controls for the TV. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be filled with his love. Understand his love. Are you hearing me? Love. Do a study on it and practice it. Don't have it as a sermon. Have it in your life. Be full of it. Let it burn in your heart. Let it burn in your spirit. Be the manifestation of that love. 24 hours a day. Everywhere you go. Make it real. Hallelujah. Make it real. Be full of it. The love of God. Decide to swim in His love. The love of God. Hallelujah. Can you love with the love of God? He says, if we have that love, if we understand it, we can be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, I was telling you something. He tells us in, in uh, St. John chapter 1 verse 16, of his fullness have we received. We've received of his fullness. Alright? So we're filled with his fullness. Alright? When we're filled with his fullness, we can, others can receive of our fullness. That's ministry. He is so full of God. You are so full of God. And so, others who come to you can receive of your fullness. Because you see, we represent Him. We're like Him. Hallelujah. You are a minister of the gospel. That means you've got something inside you to give. You'd have something to give. It's there. It's where or not you can trust it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Oh, glory to God. Well, we're going to continue on that message. We haven't finished it. But the Holy Spirit, you know, He's in this place, right? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. What does it mean to worship God? Is it by praying from dusk till dawn? Or by reading the Bible hour after hour? Jesus said, But the hour cometh and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. He says, The true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Oh, so how? This message in spirit and in truth is available now on DVD and various formats. Get your copy today. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That was not prayer. That was using the name as an instrument. The name has power. So how do we use the name of Jesus? With this new insight on the subject, using the name of Jesus, you would find yourself above every situation in life as you act on his name. Available on DVD and various formats.